This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Cam, thanks for joining us. Not uh, at all. More of an impromptu conversation this time. So we, we obviously saw a lot of activity in markets last week. Uh, a lot of that seems to be going back to the emergence of uh, COVID-19 coronavirus. So what what are you seeing that, that kind of spells either uh, flight to safety or, or risk off? Um, well... <laughs> What what bit of last week's flows didn't signal risk off? Um, the, the coronavirus <laughs> remains a, sort of an interesting one from the flow perspective. Um, we've certainly seen until last week, uh, I think, a very measured response to it. Um, despite all the headlines, investors, and this includes retail ones, did not really panic. Money continued to move into both bond and equity funds. Um, The allocation from where I sit was driven more by sort of fundamental uh, and strategic considerations than a knee-jerk reaction to the coronavirus. Um, That obviously can change and did change this week, Um, so it's not set in stone. Uh, you know, I don't think I'm alone in still struggling to understand how scared, if that's the right term, of the coronavirus we should be. You know, we have learned to live with a flu season in the U.S. that carries off <clears throat> between 60,000 and 250,000 people in most years. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I certainly have a feeling that uh, for the authorities who are facing this challenge, um, they are somewhat uh, bound by the fear that, uh, you know, that it, on their watch, the successor to the Spanish flu will escape when you know, actual levels of infection and mortality, while, you know, it seems slightly higher than the flu at the moment, um, you know, certainly don't seem to merit the sheer volume of uh, official response and, and efforts to quarantine that we've seen. So with the reaction, is there any historical context? I mean, is are these some of the largest outflows or, or is it fairly tame compared to some of the uh, the record outflows we've seen in the past. Right. Now, they're, uh, they're still fairly tame. Obviously, as I said, uh, flows only really started to react to the coronavirus last week. But uh, at the moment, uh, they don't seem to be on a magnitude uh, even of the, the uh, sort of uh, burst of angst we saw uh, when people realized that the uh, Sino-American uh, trade conflict was not going to be wrapped up in a few months um, or during the sort of 2013-2014 taper tantrum when people suddenly woke up to the fact that the Fed wasn't going to keep the taps on forever. Are there other areas where you think you're seeing an impact in in those fund flows or asset movements that, that may be related to some of the uh, 
some of the the safety uh, seeking? Well, certainly coronavirus is having an impact. I don't want to sound as if I'm <laughs> discounting it too much. One area which is where it's having an impact in the world at large that is translating uh, into movements in the fund flow universe is on oil prices. How, how so? Well, as you know, they've pushed oil prices down sort of close to $50 a barrel. Um, and that changes uh, the, you know, the, the macroeconomic equation for most of the major economies in the world. Uh, if you're an oil exporter, <laughs> uh, your, your public uh, budgeting uh, changes. But if you're an oil user, um, all of a sudden, uh, some of the pressure on your current account, uh, on prices, on your consumer wallets of ease. So, uh, you know, it's a stimulatory shock uh, for countries like Korea, Turkey, Japan. Um, not such good news on a fundamental level for places like Russia, Saudi Arabia, um, and uh, Mexico. Any other impact that you're going to be looking for over the next few weeks in regards to the, the concern here? Um, I, I'm go going to uh, sort of pay attention to um, what I'm hearing and seeing on the tourism and travel side of, uh, of things. Uh, as I mentioned sort of in an er earlier iteration, one of our partners has been playing close attention to the impact that uh, the abrupt cessation of tourism and travel flows is having uh, in the foreign exchange markets. And those are our friends at Exante Data? Those are our friends at Exante Data. Um, but a as time goes on, uh, you're going to see a sort of a, a more nuts and bolts macroeconomic impact. Um, uh, I was reading recently that uh, the authorities in France reckon that tourism is down by 40% uh, in, in places like Thailand and Malaysia. That number is closer to 80%. And those are markets that really rely on it to, to maintain. Exactly. And, you know, this past week when I was looking at the European country flows, um, the groups that really sort of struck me were what I might call the Club Med groups, uh, you know, the ones dedicated to Greece, Italy, Spain. Um, in the case of Spain, which had been struggling for a while because it couldn't form a government, uh, investors were just starting to sort of take a, a, a more optimistic look at it. Uh, uh, but uh, flows reversed very sharply last week. So interestingly enough, we're actually not seeing outflows from China equity funds. Uh, I think you had a, a theory on that. Yes. Um, I, I think uh, in the case of China, a number of factors are at work that, that sort of run counter to that. One is that, uh, you know, as, as I think most people know, China's weightings in a number of key closely followed passive indexes has been heading up. So anyone looking at China knows that unless um, global equity markets and flows to uh, equity funds go completely pear-shaped, that there's going to be uh, an element of, of uh, recurring support for Chinese equities. Uh, people also, despite any official protestations to the contrary, believe that the Chinese government will not sit by and watch 
Uh, China's equity markets really kind of plunged too far. Uh, we certainly saw that in 2013 when, after a, a pretty bumpy period, they stepped in very decisively. So it's a nice backstop. So there's a nice backstop there. And turmoil generates a fairly predictable policy response, which is more stimulus. Um, that that <coughs> is the case in China, and Korea just jumped on that particular uh, policy bandwagon. Uh, and we also saw some uh, flows in Korea begin to re reverse course, even though it's regarded as the, perhaps the second most vulnerable market in emerging Asia to you know, the fallout from the coronavirus. So we obviously saw a big impact to the U.S. equity markets last week. Um, how much of that do you, I know the popular opinion is that certainly uh, around the fear of, of this uh, global uh, health issue. How much do you think that uh, plays into the performance over the next few weeks, the flows, if any, into or out of the U.S. over the next few weeks? Well, I'll, I'll preface it by saying that though the coronavirus was uh, uh, certainly a valid reason to perhaps cut your exposure, uh, I'm inclined to feel that with equity markets having roared up to fresh record highs, uh, a lot of investment professionals and investors uh, were not unhappy to have an excuse to take money off the table. Uh, unfortunately, when enough people have that <laughs> feeling, uh, it, it can become a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the market correction was, was perhaps sharper than <laughs> some people were hoping. Longer term, too many variables, perhaps. Well, too many variables, but uh, you know, it, if things get worse, the U.S. does remain a classic safe haven, especially on the fixed income. Especially on the fixed income side, uh, and you know, the issue there is that there's so much money on the fixed income side that you know any value and yield <laughs> has really been squeezed out there. Um, and and also you know the lesson of the the post great financial crisis decade is that overreacting to even the most legitimate uh, geopolitical issues, I would say nine times out of ten leaves you in the position of sitting there watching the people who bought the asset you sold uh, reap a handsome gain. Buying the dip. Buying the dip. So. Um, I think that there will be enough people who still feel that that, uh, that particular course of action still has some life. I, you know, I will say that given uh, how sharply the market dropped towards the end of last week, that uh, some more money will be chased out of uh, U.S. equity funds. Um, but I don't think that unless some compelling factor emerges that that will persist. Great. Thanks for your time today, Ken. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcasts.